Well, good morning, everybody. Is everybody okay? It was like kind of quiet. I don't know. Some days are just like that. Maybe I've just had too much caffeine and it just feels that way. Uh, we're in a series called DNA right now, and it's a series about New Spring Church. We don't do too many vision series here at New Spring, but from time to time we feel like it's, it's important for us to talk about what we're about as a church and what makes it go and, and why we are the way we are. Um, and one of the reasons for that is we have 800 more people on a weekend than we had this time last year. So we know that as God continues to grow us, uh, it's important for us to stay on course and for everybody who is new to sort of know what we're about. For, before I get into today's talk, though, let me let you know of, of a, about a couple things. Number one is the series of the decade starts, <laughs> it starts September 10th and 11th, and it's called Intensive Care. And you will not want to miss that. It is going to be, I think, a life. Well, let me just tell you this. What I'm going to share with you in intensive care changed my life. So this is personal, and I can't wait to get started. If you've never been through a season in your life, uh, forgive me for breaking a sentence. We need God's help every day of our life. But if you've ever been through a season where you really needed God to show up in a major league way, either you've been there, you're there right now, or you will be there. And it could be that you've got a friend who's going through something really, really tough right now. So if you do, hey, go ahead and start inviting them to be part of intensive care. That's September 10th and 11th. Also, too, if you walk around the campus here, um, some of you only enter the front entrance. And so let me tell you, there's a whole lot of stuff in the back. Uh, there's a back entrance. If you have kids, chances are you know about this. But you'll walk right into a Starbucks-like coffee shop back there. And the coffee is awesome at about half the price of Starbucks, which is what I love. Um, and then on top of that, the main thing is back there right now, I want you to know is there's a watermark table. And the watermark at New Spring is, is, uh, is the name for our baptism services. And we have right now four of those a year. We've got one coming up in September 20, uh, 24th and 25th. Is that right, Dennis? And then also Kids World Baptism is 23rd. So if you would love to go public with your faith, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never taken the step of baptism or maybe you say, Mark, I was baptized when I was a baby, but that was my parents' choice. I want to do this, I want to do this for, for my choice. I want to let Jesus know and everyone else know that he's Lord of my life. Let me encourage you to, to do that. Um, and you can stop by the table today, and, and when our website is back up, you can, you can go to the website. We had a strange day yesterday. I got a series coming up after intensive care called Strange Days Indeed, and it's on the it's on prophecy, frankly, and where we are in the world and what, what we can look forward to according to the Bible. We had a strange day yesterday. Our website got hacked. It got hacked by an international source that was part of an, another world religion and uh, that just sort of targets large churches. And when we had air conditioning units go down. So, you know, when, when things like that happen, it, you go back to the contest and you remember that we have an enemy and the attack yesterday was in uncoordinated ways. It just came down. And so it's been a strange weekend. Maybe you've had one too. Okay, with that out of the way, let me, let me talk to you about the theme for today, and let me give you a little background for why I'm going to approach things the way I'm going to approach things. We're talking about New Spring and what New Spring is about, and frankly and candidly, you know that on a human level and on a tangible level, pretty much what you see at New Spring, the campus, the land, the staff, the ability to minister happens because people give. Uh, it doesn't happen, you know, no, no, we, we don't have anyone who can twinkle their nose or wave a wand. Uh, it happens because people give. And God intended it that way. Because God intended for us, those of us who believe in what he's doing in the world, to lay the God of this world at the feet of the true God 
so that God's work could be done and he could turn around and bless us. Now, I follow that flight plan with you because I understand clearly that some of you are not part of New Spring, and I sure don't want you to feel any, actually, I don't want anyone to feel any pressure today. But if you're not part of New Spring, I understand that today you say, I don't know, I came on a day, it really didn't apply to me. And I'm sorry for that. If you come back next week, it will. And if you come back September 10th and 11th, it really will, okay? Uh, Or it could be that you would say, Mark, um, I come to New Spring, but I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And I get that. I really do. Because some of you may not be ready for this talk, and, and if you're not, uh, just listen to what you can grab hold to or grab hold of and follow it away for the future. But others of us in our walk with, with Christ are at a place where we've grown some, and we're ready for this. Maybe we're already engaged in it. Maybe we're ready to just contemplate what we should do. So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you a talk about giving. No pressure, no manipulation. I'm not going to tell any stories. I don't intend to say anything funny. Every once in a while it just comes out. I, I just want this to be straight talk. Are, are, am I the only one who sometimes looks at our world and says, does anyone just give straight talk anymore? But I want to give a straight talk today. And, and you do with this what you want to do. As I will tell you later, probably, I have no idea who gives what at New Spring. I deliberately keep that information back from myself. So I'm not going to know what you do. This is between you and God. New Spring is a weird kind of church in some ways. We just trust God in this area. But at the same time, I want to give those of you who are New Springers a straight talk about giving today and then let you do with it what you want to do. It could be that I'm talking to somebody here today and you say, Mark, I don't give to churches I don't plan to give to the church. I'm a new springer. I attend. I enjoy its ministries, but I don't plan to give. Well, I'm an old debater, and in debate, those of you who've ever done it, you know that you have to debate both sides of the issue, and I try to think about how people might view differently what I'm saying, and I've thought about that. Some of you are in law, and you know what that's like. Your, your job is to defend your client or to defend your defend your, the person who has hired you to, to defend them, and you, don't, you, you sometimes articulate things that are not your point of view. So for a few moments, I want to do something that's really radical that you've probably never heard a minister do before, and I'm probably not too smart to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're here and you say, Mark, I don't ever plan to give to a church, I want to debate it from your point of view for a few minutes, and I want to talk to you about why you might have, well, you might have a point. It could be that you would say, Mark, I'm not going to give to a church because I'm already generous. And I want to say to you, if you're an American today, that is true. You are generous. There there are books right now that are popular, and some of it's even crept into the Christian community, that sort of rip Americans for not being generous. I want to tell you, you're already some of the most generous people on the planet. Through your taxes... You, you will not, you think about this. They say that Tax Freedom Day in, in the state of Kansas is April 10th. That means that every paycheck you draw from January 1st to April 10th is going to taxes. And this is not a political commentary. I, I'm neither party. I'm an apolitical person. I have certain beliefs and thoughts and I want to be a good citizen. But this is not about politics. It's just facts. You pay federal taxes, you pay state taxes, you pay local taxes, and when you, I mean, there's all those hidden taxes when you're in a car and pay your cell phone bill and all that kind of stuff. We wonder, where does that go to? Well, you pay all kinds of taxes, and when they're all added up, by average, you'll pay your taxes, you'll finish paying your taxes in April, 
And if our government didn't run a deficit, if you really paid for everything that was going on, well, Tax Freedom Day would be the last weekend of May. Think about that. And, and, and I just want you to think about where your taxes go. Your taxes go to pay for many things that you will never use. And that's one reason why I say you're already generous here today. If you walk out of our doors and you say, I am never going to give a penny to New Spring, I will still say you're generous. Let, let, let me tell you why I'm saying this. I travel sometimes, and I happen to be in churches when ministers are talking about giving. And I, giving is a big part of my life. I bring in at least a tenth of my income plus offerings on top of that. But sometimes I sit in those services, and that minister makes me feel like a dirty dog if I don't give to his, that church. And so I don't want you to feel that way. If you walk out of here today and you say, I'm never going to give to New Spring Church, I want to say to you, if you're American, you're already generous. Your, your taxes go to help for the poor. It goes for, and our minds are around this because of what's happening on the East Coast today, it goes to disaster relief. It goes to education. Many of you are empty nesters, and when you pay your personal, when you pay, excuse me, your, your property taxes, you're paying for the education of other people's kids. Many of you will pay for education for the disadvantaged and then turn around and take out a college loan for your own kids. You are generous people. And foreign aid. I don't know of any other nation in the history of the world who has ever rebuilt the countries who have attacked us. So just want you to know, if you would say, if you would make the argument today, Mark, I'm never going to give to your church because I feel already generous, I would admit to you that you are. And I didn't even mention the fact that with the national debt, you already owe $50,000 personally because of all the other things that have been done in your name. And if you're a family of four, you owe $200,000. Isn't that good to know? And I know that some of us are going to say, well, Mark, that's, that's compulsory. I don't have any choice in the matter. To some degree, you do. I, I think the issue is this. I, I'm convinced that, at least let me tell you how I feel. I'm glad to help people who can't help themselves. I am glad to take care of situations where people find themselves in a disaster. For people that are truly needy, I'm glad for what happens with them. I don't like to see tax dollars wasted. I don't like to see things mismanaged. I don't like to see legislators reward their constituencies for voting for them. That I don't like. But I think at the end of the day, we as Americans, we, we are generous people. So I just want to make that point. Second thing I would say in defense of someone who would say, I'm never going to give, is that these are tough, tough economic times. I have friends who are in the corporate world here in Wichita and around the country. And I can remember when we first entered the recession, and I was asking them, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I was hearing at the end of 2010, the middle of 2011, and now I'm asking those same individuals, those same men and women, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? And they're saying, no, we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. These are tough times, tough economic times. And it could be that they've hit your family very hard. Number three, somebody could say, all the church wants is money, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to agree with you in a lot of cases. I think there are a lot of churches doing precious little. They have... They have buildings to keep up, they have mortgage payments to pay, they have staff to draw salaries, and the honest truth is with a lot of churches, I think that's the case. I don't think they're getting very much done, and the reason why you hear money sermons, and by the way, if you're new to New Spring, you could think I talk about it all the time. If you're a New Springer, you know better than that, you know I rarely do. But I think there are churches that really, that's probably the case, pretty much what they want is money. And there's a fourth reason why you could look around as a New Springer and say, I don't think I'm ever going to contribute, and that is somebody else is already doing it. 
And to a point, that's true. All the things that you see today, all the ministries that you see today, the kids' facilities, and all the things that are happening around this, in this ministry, and then around the world, as I'll talk about in a few moments through New Spring, happen because there are people here already giving. And you could say, if other people are doing it, why should I do it? But let me dispel a myth. It could be that when you look, and this is one thing I hear from time to time, and you got to understand, when I came to New Spring, we were probably about 350 on a weekend. Today, we're close to 5,000. But people could look at this church and think, wow, it's a big church. It's always been a big church. It's filled with rich people. I can assure you that's not the case. It's filled with people from every era of life. But here is the thing. I, I'm well cognizant of this. And, 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 and before I say this, could I just say, I don't want any pressure to be on anybody. You, you are blessed today, even if you've never given to New Spring, you're blessed today because somebody's heart was touched with this ministry and they made a sacrifice and they give consistently to make it happen. One of my favorite texts is when the tabernacle was being constructed and Moses gave a talk to all the Israelites about what they could bring to make it happen. And, and the verse, verse 20 of this chapter says, the whole community of Israel left Moses. That means everybody heard the talk. But verse 21 says, all whose hearts were stirred, whose spirits were moved. I love the way the message has it. Whose heart was roused and spirit was freely responsive, came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord, both men and women. All whose hearts were willing, they brought the Lord their offerings. So I know. I mean, not everyone is going to give. And, and, and again, you could say, Mark, I'm not ready for this. And, and you could say, the reason I'm not going to give is somebody else is already giving. And there's a, there's a truth to that. There are people here who's, well, how did Moses say it? Their, their hearts have been roused and their spirits are responsive. And sometime along the way, they decided that when they dealt with their weekly budget or their monthly budget, that God's work was going to have a part in that. But you could say, I don't see any reason to give. I'm already generous. These are tough economic times. People are already giving. I'm suspicious because I think all churches want is money. I don't want to talk to you about you this morning, and I don't want to make this personal, but I need to do it just, just so that the pressure's not on you. But could I tell you that tithing has been part of my life, and my personal viewpoint, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you should necessarily share this, but in my personal viewpoint, I believe in tithing. I've always brought a tenth at least of my income to the Lord. From the time I was a kid to teenage years to young adult years, I've done this in bad times. I've done it in good times. I've done it when I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I've done it when it was not difficult. And I've always brought offerings on top of that for the work of God and for missions. So could I just tell you why someone, and by the way, I need next week's paycheck. I'm not a rich guy. I want to give you seven reasons quickly why I give. And this might resonate with you. It might not. If it doesn't, don't feel any pressure. Here's the first reason why I give. Frankly, I give because I believe in the mission of New Spring Church. What I talked to you about last weekend, I really believe in. And you can say, well, of course you do, Mark. You're the pastor. Well, you know what? I'm also a member of New Spring. And, and I don't just believe in the part that I'm involved with. You know personally, I've told you kids is number one here. 
I believe in student ministry. I believe in the hub. I believe in the wire. I believe in all. I mean, the fact that how many people tell us, I never thought I could ever have an experience with God until I came to New Spring. I, I always thought that God hated me before I came to New Spring. When I think about the lives that are changed and the marriages that are put back together and, and, and the kids that are, are taught about God and from the earliest age have a relationship with God, I believe in that ministry. And guys, let me just tell you this. this is, I'm t- I told you this would be straight talk. We've not chosen the prototypical route for a church. A lot of churches, quite frankly, they sort of, they have a target audience. They want to reach people who are already religious, who are already prone to contribute. We have gone the, to the opposite extreme. We have said our number one audience is kids. We just spent, as I shared with you last week, we just spent for a preschool building what we spent for this worship center 12, 13 years ago. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying we're a church that has not said we're going to target big givers. We're not going to target. In fact, we've gone the other, to the other extreme. We're saying we want to build bridges to people who aren't necessarily religious. And I believe in that vision. I mean, maybe we've decided to go uphill. Maybe we've decided to go counterculture. Maybe we go against the grain. But I believe in that. Number two, I understand that, and this is one of my favorite sayings, and I came up with it, so maybe that's why it's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, let, me, let me tell you how I made this statement. I, I know through the years when I would talk about giving, it was like people would look at me like, oh, I'm, I'm like asking for charity. Guys, I want to be real clear on something. God's not a charity case looking for donors. He's an entrepreneur looking for partners. Never get the idea that God is poor-mouthing you. I mean, if God wanted to get his hands on Mark Hoover's stack, he wouldn't have to work very hard to do it. One of my favorite stories is by a pastor in Dallas who took his daughter to a football game. In the third quarter, she won some candy, so he gave her a $5 bill. She went down and bought Skittles. And he said he didn't really care for candy all that much, but he said he sort of got hungry for those Skittles as he was watching her eat them. So he asked her, he said, would you give me a couple of Skittles? She said, no. And he said, excuse me? She, and he said, I, I just really, all I want, just, just, just a couple, two or three. She said, absolutely not, they're mine. And he said, that just hit him wrong. And he said, my daughter failed to understand three things. Number one, I bought her those Skittles. (laughs) Number two, I'm bigger than she is. I could take them away. And number three, if I really want to, I could take my credit card to to the candy stand, and I could flood her world with Skittles. See, that that's what we need to understand about God. When God asks us to be a part of what he's doing in the world, he's not a charity case looking for donors. He's an entrepreneur looking for partners. Did you know that when it comes to giving, God says something he doesn't say anywhere else about any other act of obedience? In Malachi 3.10, he says, test me in this. God never says test him about anything. In fact, testing God is a bad thing to do most of the time. That's an act of doubt. But in this particular area, God knows that it's so hard for us to bring the God of this world to the God of the universe that he's saying, okay, I'll I'll say something I don't say in any other place. Test me. Try it. Test me, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. And and here's the thing. I love about what God says because a lot of us think, okay, I'm just going to expect money in the mail. Well, maybe, I don't know, 
But verse 11 says it's more than that. God said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. God says, I'll close the back door. And the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. In other words, everybody will know that you're blessed because you've put God first in this matter. One of the most famous business stories here in Wichita is a story about a couple of men who started a fast food chain. Well, they didn't know they were starting a fast food chain back then. They were just starting a restaurant. They needed a commercial oven. It cost $2,500. That's a lot of money back then. They went to an appliance, commercial appliance dealer and said, we'll give you half our business if you'll give us a $2,500 oven. And that poor fella, unfortunately, looked at these men as charity cases looking for donors instead of entrepreneurs looking for partners. I don't know how much the company was originally, eventually worth. I know I played golf with the guy who sold the franchises in two states for $800 million. See what a dumb thing that was? And that's how dumb I am. If I hear God talk about giving, and I hear that as a charity case looking for donors instead of an entrepreneur looking for partners. Let me take you quickly to number three, because it's very close to that. I understand that God doesn't need my money. He just wants to use it for a while. You see, God's organism, the church, God only instituted two organisms in the world, the family and the church. God's organism is in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Unfortunately, the currency of heaven doesn't work down here. And it's the currency of this world. And so what God wants you and me to do is to allow God to use his currency in the church, in this world, in this age, to do his work. And then God promises he will turn around and bless us. We'll talk about that in a moment. Number four, fourth reason I give is it's an opportunity for me to declare who my God is. See, that's the thing about baptism. Baptism is a public declaration of who your Savior is. When I give... It is an opportunity for me, to, this is very, very important, maybe the most important thing I'll say all day. Whenever I give, and I, we give online, some of you may give with a kiosk, some of you may put the money in the envelope or whatever. Whenever I give, I am making a personal declaration who my God is. No one less important than Jesus makes this clear. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When Jesus distilled all the gods of the world down to one, he distilled it down to money. He didn't say you can't serve God or money or sex, God and money or sex or technology or power. Why did he just say God and money? Because money will buy everything else. See, the God of this world is money. And when I bring my gifts to God, basically what I'm saying is I'm taking the God of this world and I'm laying it at God's feet. And i got to tell you this. I, one of the tough things about a talk like this is it gets very quiet and there's almost a feeling of tension in the air. And I had to ask myself, why is there tension in the air when I'm taking all the pressure off? Let me tell you what the tension is. This is the kind of talk that forces us to admit who our God is. And frankly, for some of us, our God is money. We will interact with God as long as we can consume. But the fact of the matter is, our God is money. And when I, when I say, hey, I am going to bring the God of this world and lay it at, at, at your feet, I am declaring who my God is. Well, number five. 
It's a place to invest where I can't lose, and after the last three or four years, a lot of us should really be interested in that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, here's something to remember. The one who plants, that's it refers to giving, the one who plants only a little will gather only a little, and the one who plants a lot will gather a lot. I read The Eagle this week, which is usually a bad idea for me, especially if I read the editorial page. And that's where I happen to read. And some well-meaning soul had written into the editorial page how that Jesus was a socialist. And I'm thinking, first of all, you haven't read the Bible because Jesus defies all stereotypes. But Jesus is clearly not a socialist. I mean, think about this. This is investment talk. The one who plants only a little will gather only a little. The one who plants a lot will gather a lot. That's, That's investment talk. You should each give what you have decided in your heart to give. And then this is so true. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you're forced to. God loves a cheerful giver. But here's the big thing. Verse 8, and God is able to shower, and I've got certain words highlighted here, all kinds of blessings on you. In all things. I was just in the car with one of my sons this week. And I started thinking about my life and, and my wife and my boys, and my daughters-in-law, and my granddaughters. In fact, I get to be part of New Spring Church. And I looked over to my son and just, it was on my birthday, I think it was. I looked over to my son and I said, you know, I am the richest man in the world. And yet, if you saw my bank account, you wouldn't think that. I mean, like I said, I need next week's paycheck. But I started thinking about all the blessings in my life, and I said, and I meant it. I am the richest guy in the world. See, because God says he would be able to shower all kinds of blessings on you because there's a lot of stuff that you and I want that money can't buy in all things and at all times. Read that all economies. You will have everything you need, Americans. Not necessarily everything you want, but everything you need. And then, look at this. God promises you'll be able to do more and more good works. Number six, we're a church with an open door, and giving opens opportunities. This is going to be some very, very straight talk to New Spring. Let me just be real candid about where we are. This economy has hit a lot of churches really hard. In fact, every day of the week, pretty much, we hear from a church that's laying off a lot of staff, churches that are having closed down programs. We even hear of churches who have lost their buildings. Because of your generosity, even in the worst economic times, New Spring is not there at all. I mean, you guys have been so faithful to give. We've not looked at laying off staff. We've brought staff on. We're not looking at doing less for God. We want to do more for God. But can you ever hear a pastor's heart? And if you can, I want you to hear it right now. If what we do is the status quo, honestly, we're going to be just fine. But when was the status quo ever good enough for New Spring? Honestly, there are some things that we need to do, but we're limited right now. I mean, for one reason why New Spring is in great shape, thankfully, I mean, obviously the, the umbrella of God's blessings has been over us. We're a very frugal church. 
I mean, if you think about it, even the, the touches and the things on our stage and in our kids' world, we don't buy those things, we make those things. I mean, that's just our nature. We try to figure out how to make it. That is us. We are careful. We've always been very careful and very frugal in the way we've gone about things. And part of that excellent management has been that even in tough times, God has taken very good care of us. But here's the deal. We have 800 more people than we had this time last year. We have ministries that are available to us. We can reach people that we can't reach right now. We can have leaders that we don't have right now. And the fact of the matter is, if we're going to go to the next level, well, there are going to have to be people with vision here who say, I'm going to, I'm going to be open to what God is leading me to do in this area. The status quo is going to be fine. We can maintain, I just want you to know that. I'm not poor-mouthing here today. I'm just saying, and, and I know, that, I, listen, I know what a lot of people think. A lot of people think New Spring is already big enough. It's hard enough to get into the parking lot. It's hard to check my kids in. It's hard to wait in the line at the coffee shop. So we really have enough people already. New Spring is probably already the largest church in the city. Why we want more? Do you realize on any day, any weekend day, only 20% of Wichita attends church? That means 80% of people aren't here. And how many of those do I want? Every one of them. Every one of them. If you think this church is big enough, it's because you think heaven's big enough and you've got a problem with who you are and what you believe. Jesus said there's a broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life everlasting. And if you think God's churches are big enough, You've yet, to, you've yet to meet Jesus. Number seven. God will treat my agenda like I treat his. One of the first verses my dad taught me to memorize was Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where the Bible says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's, how, that's the translation I memorized it in. And, and I've quoted this verse, and many people quote this to say to everyone, God will supply all your needs. The message is, is a beautiful translation of it. It says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, his generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. But there's a context for this verse. The church at Philippi was a very poor church. And out of their poverty, they had given to world evangelism in this particular case. They had given to a missionary to take care of what he was doing. And basically what, this, what Paul said to them was, you have taken care of God's needs, now God will take care of your needs. And it works like this. If I put God's agenda on the front burner, God will put my agenda on the front burner. If I put God's agenda on the back burner, he will put my agenda on the back burner. Let me close the talk with a very strategic word. It could be that someone is here today and you're saying, okay, Mark, my heart has been touched. My, my spirit is responsive. I don't know how to give. I don't know how much to give. I don't know. I, I look at the envelope or I look at the kiosk or I look online and I notice that there's something that says tithes and offerings and something that says missions and I really don't understand how that works. So for all of us who might say, how do I give and how do I, how do I find out how much and so on, let me give you some strategic talk about that. Here at New Spring, we have two primary avenues of giving that really almost call for two different strategies. Tithes and offerings, that's what happens inside New Spring. Missions, that's what happens outside New Spring. Tithes and offerings is, is the ministry of this church, and missions is what we do as a church 
that's outside our walls, that reaches outside. And we, we draw this from Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he was leaving the disciples. And the disciples thought maybe Jesus was going to set up his kingdom at that time. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that right now. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Job one for the church was their local community. Judea, that was the surrounding area. Samaria, that was the next locale. In other words, that was the next people group happened to be just north of them. And then, of course, they were not to stop till they got to the world. Well, the number one ministry of New Spring is New Spring Church. God has assigned us here. He's put us here. And that's our first assignment. Then our area. I'm delighted how many people drive in from outside. I mean, it's amazing to me how far people will drive to attend New Spring. Samaria, that would be people who are close by. And then eventually the whole world. Now, here's where the strategies come in. Let's say, first of all, that you would say, I want to be part of giving to New Spring Church. Here's the most effective way that you can be part of giving. Because here's how some of us will think. We'll think, well, you know what? If I ever have anything left over, I will, I will give it. Or if I'm going to wait till I can write a large check. Guys, let me tell you this. The people who make New Spring go by their giving are ordinary people who on a weekly basis understand that the needs of this ministry are consistent and ongoing. And if, for instance, I think about this. Do I want God to say if he has anything left over, he'll bring it to me? Or do I have needs in my home that are consistent and ongoing? And the fact is that I do. Let me give you a couple of scriptures in the Bible that help me understand this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. In keeping with income. I think that calls for a percentage. Chapter 8, verse 11 says, give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I mean that there should be some equality. There could be two kinds of giving here today. You could say, Mark, I'm minimum wage. And if I gave, it wouldn't look, if I gave a percentage of my income, it wouldn't look very big. It would to God. On the other hand, you could be very blessed and give a sum that would seem like a large amount of money to some people. But if it's not in proportion to how you've been blessed, then God looks at it that way. You know, I said I wasn't going to tell any stories, but I've got to tell this one. There was a guy who would, was making, you know, this was a long time ago, he was making, you know, $50,000 a year. Oh, at first he was making $5,000 a year, and, and so he brought a tithe, 10% of that. But he, he got to the place where it went from, you know, $5,000 a year to $50,000 a year and eventually a half million dollars a year. And he went to his pastor and he said, you know, $50,000 a year, 10% of that is just too much. I, don't, I can't, I'm struggling with that amount of money as tithe. And he said, the pastor said, well, I'll pray for you. So he said, well, thank you. And the pastor started praying. He said, dear God, this man found it easy to tithe when he was making $5,000 a week. Would you just reduce him back to that? <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is between you and God. Both these things I'm going to talk about, whether it's New Spring or missions, both of these things are between you and God. I'm never going to know, so... There isn't anything personal here. 
But what I want to ask you to do and challenge you to do, because you could say, well, Mark, a tenth of my income, that's not possible right now. You just don't know where I am. You don't know my struggles. All right. In proportion to your income, would you pray about a percentage? And that's between you and God. Would you pray about faithfully bringing a percentage of your income by faith? And you pick that. You and God, you talk to God about it. Maybe it's not 10%, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 1%, whatever. But you're saying, by faith, I'm going to step out and trust God. Because remember, God said, test him. And, and then here is the, the, the promise that I would ask you to make to yourself and to God. If God blesses, you increase it. That's what's happened with my life. And, and just trust God in this matter. If you're married, you want to talk to your husband or wife about this and say, let's pray about it. What is God showing us? <laughs> missions, on the other hand, is different. Let me tell you why missions is different. Missions typically is a commitment that New Spring makes. And, and I know that we, we, we don't have time to talk about this today like I'd like to, but New Spring has a part in supporting 100 missionaries around the world. And we do so many other things. I mean, we, we're involved with Union Rescue Mission. We're involved with Victory in the Valley, a couple of great local ministries, other local ministries. We're, we are, we're involved in various things through the year. Judgment House is a huge outreach of New Spring. Over 60,000 people have been through Judgment House. And the year before last, almost 7,000 people went through. 1,600 people, over 1,600 people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ a year ago. Last year, we have 7,000 right now. It's about all that we can, we can receive. Came through nearly... Not, over 1,900 people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ through Judgment House. We have a television ministry, and we, we deliberately keep it at certain times so that we can reach certain audiences. How many times do you hear somebody say, I was at a sports bar, and it came on, and I said, leave that on. <laughs> now, let me tell you why missions is different from giving inside the church. Missions is different because New Spring has to make commitments. And we don't set the budget. Our, no board, I don't set the budget. The board doesn't set the budget for missions. You have to set it. And, and this is the reason why I'm asking you to do something kind of special today. And if you don't do this today, because you may want to go home and pray about this, that's cool too. But New Springers, I'm asking you to do something today. I need you to let us know what we can do for the next year. See, our year kind of starts September 1st. September 1st is kind of our January 1st. And so we're going to be involved in making commitments outside our, our walls. And we've got missionaries all over the world. We've got missionaries in Africa. We've got missionaries in South America. We've got missionaries in Asia, all over the place. And, and they're away from us. And, and when we tell them we're going to hold the rope for them, we need to hold the rope for them. And, and we kind of need to know ahead of time what we're going to be able to do. And, and, and so here's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm just asking you to think about what New Springers you might bring on a weekly basis for God's work outside our church. Now, you'll notice that where it says name, it's optional. Because some of you, you say, I want to put my name there. Others of you, you don't want to. Trust me. I was talking to friends who said they were at a church once where if they didn't give, the church contacted them. Nobody's ever going to do that at New Spring. This is totally between you and God. The only reason we need this is we need to know, can we take timid steps or can we take bold steps in the area of mission outreach? And you tell us. And so, here, think about that today. You can, if you want to fill this out, again, please, you don't need to put your name on there if you don't want to. But just leave it with us. You can leave it back there with one of the guest service people when you leave today, or you can take it home and pray about it and uh, come back and, and do that before the end of DNA. 
All right, I'm through talking about giving right now. But I just want to say something to you. Even if you're here today and, and you just say, Mark, I don't like this talk. I want you to know if you never have a gift for God, God still has a gift for you. Do you know that? There are certain things you can't buy. For instance, you can, that's one, re, one reason why I don't know who gives what, is you can't buy the vision of New Spring. And there are some churches, if you give a lot, you get a lot of access to the pastor. I'm one pastor who's not for sale. But the most important thing that you can't buy is eternal life. You can't buy it by any church. You can't buy it by being good. You can't buy it by giving money. You could bring millions of dollars to New Spring and you still couldn't buy eternal life. The only way to receive it is a gift. See, God gave his son for you so that you could have eternal life as a gift. L listen to this verse because we've talked about offerings today. The Bible says Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. You know, you have a bucket that passes by you, or you go by a kiosk, or if you're like us, you give online. Jesus didn't have a bucket that passed by him. He had a cross. And he didn't drop just money in an offering plate. He put himself on a cross and gave his life as an offering for you and me. And even if you never have a gift for God, God has a gift for you. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, please forget everything else I've said up to this moment. Just drop it. Don't worry about it. And just receive God's gift for you. How do you do that? Well, first of all, the Bible just says you believe. You put your confidence in Jesus. You believe he died for you. You believe he arose from the grave. And you invite him in. Jesus says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, you say, Mark, me, you don't know about me. I got all kinds of problems and baggage. I just know he said if anyone opens the door. You say, Mark, you don't know about the habits that I can't control. I don't know. But I just know he said if anyone opens the door, he'll come in. Now, he'll take you just as you are. He won't leave you as he found you. But he'll receive you just like you are. And if you're open to that today, I want to I want to work with you, if you'll work with me. I want to give you a prayer to pray. And the important thing is not the words. The important thing is what you mean in your heart. So I'm going to pray this prayer real slow so that you can think about the words and mean them. Okay? Really all God wants from you is a big yes. But let's pray this prayer together. You ready? Dear God, I agree that I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. And I can't save myself. But I believe Jesus died in my place as an offering for my sins. I receive the gift. I ask you to forgive me and adopt me into God's family. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he arose from the grave. Don't understand it, but I believe it. And today I commit my life to Jesus. In his name I pray.